the to design the proper way not just you know following my inspiration and yeah. and whatever whatever yeah came to my mind at the moment uh so it was just this inner urge to to go forward in some down some creative path because whenever i wasn't doing that i was just feeling deflated and unenthusiastic and bored it it just cured me from boredom following this hmm. artistic calling and I, I talk to many people who have experienced something similar and they tell me the same thing that when they were in some other job they just didn't feel the passion they just felt like you know is it all there is to life but when they allowed themselves to experience uh, some creative hobbies or uh, something that really interested them but they didn't have the courage to pursue it full-time that's when they discovered this enthusiasm and passion for life, not just for the work, but it, it just light up, lights up your entire life when you're engaged in something that you really enjoy doing. Totally, like I so, think experimenting is so important. I mean, you you just did exactly that, just not settling on whatever the job at the moment is. And I find sometimes what, from my experiences, when people actually do the work, they don't find that that enthusiasm, but sometimes they think that's the way it should be or it will get better and mm -hmm. it's it's difficult and a lot of times is it happens from from my experiences that they lack self-awareness and then they're like well no it's going to get better i'm just going to learn about it. like i'm going to learn how to do it and it will be better it will be more it will it will be more fun but it never happens because they either are not really fundamentally good at this or and, and they might not even enjoy the task which is uh, which is real interesting yeah, I think that enjoyment and fun comes before and then you kind of get better at it because if you just keep learning something that you're not really interested in learning, you'll never be, be like really good at it. You can be okay, you can be like average, but you'll never be the expert. You'll never be in top 10%. You can only get into the top 10% if you have this continued passion, this continued enthusiasm that moves you through those difficult parts because learning anything has challenges it's not it's not easy like there's yeah. there's a lot of work involved and you're not going to be patient enough you're not going to go and do the hard work if you don't feel some kind of inner urge or inner calling or at least you know deep curiosity or engagement in whatever you're working on completely agree now in your blog you talked about this uh, the notion of focus and focusing on one specific area and especially when you're starting your own business it's so easy to get excited about everything and spread yourself too thin and maybe not get as good results or get as much traction as you would like so you recognize that and then you into, i believe it you mentioned it, it was 2016 when you focused on brand you focused on design and you really were like very very focused and then brought that brought you the results that you are getting right now Tell me a little bit about that and then what was different for you before the 2016, before you were a little bit more cat, doing catch-all strategy? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there was this moment when I started getting more work inquiries and I realized that um, I still wasn't really happy and really satisfied with how my business was doing. Like it was doing okay financially, but I was, I felt like I was you know, working all the time and I was kind of spread too thin, as you mentioned. Um, yeah. And so I decided to focus on what I 
enjoyed the most. It was again this uh, this urge to follow something that was the most enjoyable and the most fun. Because you know why even have a business if I can't have fun in it? That that was the whole point. Uh, so I focused on on logo design and brand design because that is the most fun part for me. Uh, and I designed my services so that every client starts there. There they start with logo and brand design, and then as we develop our professional relationship, we also go into these other services, which may include you know WordPress website design or design for printed promoted materials and so on. Uh, but I don't do more of these one-off projects like you know when someone just comes right. in and say i want a poster or i want a business card i don't i no longer do that and i have this journey this path and i think that's works uh, for, both for me and for my clients because they get the best of me they get the best uh, skills the, the best um, you know thought process the best focus that i'm able to provide and I'm just having this uh, this amazing experience of learning someone through this uh, long-term collaboration, and I get to learn about their business, and then I am really able to provide a, a higher level of expertise than I was before I was a, before I was focused on this one mm. specialty. And the the re what I did before I was I was a general. So I was a yeah. design generalist. I was designing everything, websites, posters, business cards, presentations, logos, what have you. And that, the reason I did that is because when I worked in agencies uh, before, I was the only designer on the team. So whatever had to be designed, I was the one to do that because the, there was no one else around. Like if, even if I didn't know how to do it, I had to learn it on the job, which was great actually. I learned a lot on the job and I'm very grateful for that experience, but when I became a business owner, I just uh, used the same approach and used it in my business, and that was not the right decision. I was not supposed to do the same thing in my own business. I was supposed to, you know, design my business more toward uh, my best gifts and my best interests. Uh, I mean, interests like uh, what I'm interested in, not uh, not like um, what I'm getting out of it. But also, it helped me have better like financial uh, benefits yeah. because when you have repeat work from the same client that's that's better than when you have like a lots of different tiny projects that you have to coordinate and there's a lot of overhead and communication that goes into that so this way i was able to streamline my design process and spend a lot of time working on the design and less time on managing and communicating you know writing emails meetings etc so that benefited everyone. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, no, it was a really good totally, decision. Totally. No, totally. I think it, it makes so much sense in a way you are combining your, as you mentioned, you are combining your interest with the financial, uh, financial side of uh, owning the business. But I do know that from your blog, I do know that you like many different things. You like to do design and then you like to do some like other things. You, you got a lot of interests. How do you manage that? Or do you just maybe allocate time outside of business? Like, look, I'm gonna, this is what my business is right now. I'm gonna do logos primarily. And then outside of it, I will maybe explore something else. Do you draw those boundaries or how do you, how do you manage that uh, different, different areas of what you'd like to do? Yeah, well, 
I, as you mentioned, I do have a lot of interests and art is one of my passions, which is strictly non-professional. So I paint and draw and sketch, but that's just for my own pleasure. And I don't, I sometimes have exhibitions, but I don't like primarily sell my work. Uh, but that's something that happens in my personal time. That's something that happens on the weekends or on the evenings. Uh, but anything that has to do with designing things, um, it's kind of blended. So for example, I used to learn hand lettering, which uh, was a, a fresh interest a couple of years ago. Uh, and as I was, I was doing that in my free time. And then quickly after that, I started getting hired for hand lettering projects. And I started incorporating more of that into my work. So as it, sometimes these boundaries are not so firm, mm. something that I learned in my spare time, like calligraphy and uh, you know, photography and things that are more, I do more for my enjoyment, there comes a time where I'm able to use that in my professional work and specifically because I share it on my blog, because I like to share what I do uh, both in my social media and my blog, people see that I do stuff like that and they ask me, okay, is it something that you can do for me? And then if it's something we can incorporate into a larger branding project, of course, I'm very happy to be able to, to incorporate more of my mm. creative interests. But when it came to writing and specifically writing a book, uh, that was a really uh, a very challenging uh, project because, right. um, you know, you never have time left over. That's uh, There's always so much work to do. So I had to really schedule a part in like a, a day of the week or some an hour every day during my work time because weekends were just not enough it's it wasn't something that i was able to do only in my spare time i had to make it a part of my business i said okay this is my business project and i'm going to treat it like i treat a client project so no matter i'm doing it for myself but it's for me it's like a client project so it's going to be set during the work week and it's going to take time off from what I would normally spend on a client project. So I was working less with clients because I had to have this time available for writing. Right. And I was about to actually ask you about the writing, the process of writing the book, but it made a lot of sense because I think um, I was I was reading a book, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, and Stephen Covey wrote the book a while ago, and he talked about the importance of having big rocks and uh, having a big rock meaning having a big project that actually is going to move you forward in and then working on it every day instead of just working on a very small on a few on a lot of smaller things so you you define here's my big rock it's my bread my logos and my dealing with clients but there's another part there's another aspect and that is right in a book which i think is super smart but tell me a little bit about how did you come up with an idea to uh, write the book human certain brand and what was the what was your experience like? Yeah, uh, well, this was the topic that I wrote about. It started cooking like right when I was starting my own business. So it's it was something. It was this concept in my mind that I've been developing uh, for years now, but it didn't have like a firm, solid shape nor a name. And then as I was kind of collecting the pieces around through my work and through learning from some other people. Uh, I settled on this on the importance of core values in business and how core values influence all the other parts of a brand and how this is all connected uh, and communicated through the visuals. So I had this sort of experimental framework that I showed to some of my friends and we tested it together and they loved it. And then I started kind of 
and gently um, guiding it into my client work and writing some blog posts about it, taking notes for possible workshops or courses or something like that. Uh, and that took a couple of years. So it was, it was a very, very slow process. And um, at one point, I started like being bombarded by these uh, messages from other people who are in this uh, kind of creative business space that you need to write a book, you need to write a book. So there was the, this um, book by Nathan Barry, Authority, Mm-hmm. who teaches people business books. Uh, there was Tara Gentili who had a course that I took on writing books and she was really big on writing a book that will kind of uh, help you get uh, the expert status, so to speak. And so from uh, working on a course, which was my uh, original idea, I switched to writing a book. That was now my, my new goal. Mm-hmm. So I took all these notes that I had, I took all the blog posts, I collected that and I, I started my, my book draft using that material and then I kept writing more and more and more because there was so much that I wanted to say. And this moment when I finally figured out that this is going to be a book, uh, that happened uh, in kind of December 2016 and in January 2017 I was already working on my draft. So it was a very impulsive decision but it was, it was this big moment kind of <laughs> happened right. at that moment because I, I felt ready. That was the time when I felt ready. Previously, maybe I wouldn't have been able to write such a book if I started earlier. And so from that moment on, uh, it was first, it was kind of sporadic. So I would I would have maybe a week off from work because um, all the clients were quiet and then I would focus on writing. And then clients would come and come back in and I didn't have time to write anymore. And so I would be like kind of take these little moments of quiet to write, but it wasn't happening fast enough. And so I realized I really need to make a schedule. And I set a day in the week when I would spend like three hours writing because I figured that I write best when I write in long sessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm able to focus for this extended period of time and I get a lot done. And that was in the beginning of the of like the first um i don't know maybe two-thirds of the book were happening in this big burst like very intense focused burst and then toward the end i had a lot of small sections and that was when i was able to kind of write every day for maybe half an hour to an hour depending on the day and that happened uh maybe in april or may uh, in 2018, that was this period when I was writing really intensely every day. And I even took time, like I blocked off time from client work. I wasn't doing uh, any client work in May and in June 2018 because I was just so deeply focused on the book that I didn't want anything else to distract me. And then in uh, during June and July of 2018, I was working on, you know, design, on getting beta reader feedback, on setting up the website, all these, you know, administrative stuff that right. is, is a part yeah. of the job when you're self-publishing. And it launched on uh, July 31st, I believe. Uh, and that was that was finally when the book was out in the world. Yeah, and I also had a pre-order period. So people were mm-hmm. started to buy the book even before it was officially launched, even before it was available. And that was very a very interesting process. Oh, you know, it, it was like the a first, big lip. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like a really big yeah. lip. A lot of a lot of, you know, just like from the initial idea to you obviously worked more with clients, you got more 
feedback, maybe more experience that you put in the book and then you had a better like vision. Okay, this is what it's going to be like. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm happy to have had all that experience. And this was a big experiment, experiment for me. Like nobody asked me to write a book. I was, I did it out of my own, um, you know, my, my own desire to just put something like that out there. But uh, usually they, they tell you, you know, you have to test your idea. You have to test. You have to ask people if they want it. I'm not the person who asks people what they want. I just do what I want and hope that people are going to appreciate that. And in this case, it turned out to be true. So sometimes it fails. Sometimes uh, it sometimes it succeeds. So this was one of those uh, times that it succeeded. Yeah. I mean, most of the time people never know what they want. So. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know it until you see it. Yeah, you, exactly. You, exactly. Yeah. It's just uh, one of the parts when I was learning a little bit on a product management side, I was considering it as my my career path. I've learned that people it's always like the, when you asking people like what kind of product would you like, you essentially put in your work as a product manager or maybe as a UX designer on people because they don't really know. Maybe they have an idea of what they would like to uh, get out of it on a maybe higher level, but they don't know exactly what that would look like. And this is your job actually <laughs> to figure it out. But uh, Nella, tell me about the book. So Human Certain Brand, you talk about you talk about brands. Uh, you talking about marketing strategies. What's what's the book about? What's the main? Um, what are the main takeaways that that readers will, or maybe the things that readers will find by um, getting in and reading more about it? Yeah, well, the main premise of the book is to help small service-based businesses or indie creatives to promote their business with clarity and with ease and with authenticity. So they don't have to follow some, you know, big shot marketing strategies that someone told them to follow, but to find their own path and to feel really certain in their own decisions, to kind of encourage them to make their decisions that are based on their core values, and that are helping them achieve the goals that they want and not just follow someone else's path, someone else's blueprint. So uh, what I explain in the book is, I call this a human-centered brand framework. I call it a framework because it has several pieces, but you can do whatever you want with them. So essentially I lay it out how everything works and then people can kind of arrange them in their own unique configurations and focus on the ones that are most interesting to them. And it's, it's never about the should, but it's always about helping people find their own answers. So I cover things like core, finding your core values, uh, right. uh, figuring out your unique value proposition, um, determining what your brand voice qualities are, um, deciding who your ideal client is going to be, and then kind of offer some tips about visual brand identity, you know, what to pay attention to if you wanna, if you wanna design your own logo, and how to pick the colors for your brand, you know, everything that goes into designing a brand identity. And then in the second part of the book, which is a pretty long part, but it's it's like not the one you have to read in its entirety, you read just the parts that interest you. That's how to implement uh, uh, all of your brand through your marketing. So basically all the different avenues that you can use, like newsletters, social media, video, uh, live events, uh, everything that you can use to market your business. There are kind of pointers uh, how you can infuse your brand uh, through those channels so that when you actually create your brand strategy, that it attracts the right people to you and that it sends the right message. 
so that you attract right. the people who are actually resonating with who you really are and what you most want to offer. No, it's very cool. I think it's so super relevant and it does sound like the way you structured it is as a manual or as, as look, this is if you are at this stage, if you may be looking for values, this is what you have to go through. This is your process and this is what you're saying. Uh, you could design it or configure it in the way that you want. Uh, maybe if you're on the marketing side already or in, in trying to get better marketing, then this is you read this section. This is what's going to help you to these are the, the tactics actually you can use which I think makes a ton of sense. Now, how do you find um, brand like businesses right now, the smaller businesses in 2019, how can they gain more authenticity? Because I find a lot of consumers and we are moving into that area in marketing where people want a personalized conversation. They want one-on-one -on -one conversation and being authentic is so important. And it's, that's really where the things are going what would you recommend brands to consider to make them more like connect them better with customers yeah well this is the one thing that i, I should probably do more myself I'm, I'm only just getting started to it but that's right. showing up on on video so that's something that i'm not uh like uh, do as i say not as i do you know because i'm not i don't have a lot of video content out there but luckily there's some conference talks of me filmed so that helps me out but uh showing up on video whether it's live video on social media or whether that's recorded video and one of the things that i loved uh, for example there's this uh, uh mark silver from heart of business he's uh, a business uh, strategist a business mm -hmm. uh, consultant and a and teacher and he records super short videos about business that are around three minutes long not not longer uh, taken with his phone while walking his dog rocky and you can see the surroundings the nature around them the dog running around him and it's all you know super adorable but at the same time, I learn something because he's talking to you like he's like you're like walking together. You have a feeling like you're going for a walk together. And that's something that I think people can use in their everyday life. Like maybe you're commuting. Uh, there's someone who records videos while they're driving or while they're like in a parking lot. So they just set the phone on, on the dashboard and, and talk to you like you're it. like you're chatting. Yeah, and I think that I get a really good impression from that. And I did some live videos, so it's something that I'm experimenting with, but I'm definitely going to do more of that in the future because I think it has a lot of potential. People enjoy seeing other people's faces and mannerisms and what's around you, you know, what kind of a place that you live in and all of that. So I think that's that's one of the things that definitely helps. Mm -hmm. And I would just mention one other tip which I, I think I always uh, like to encourage people to do, and that is to use all of your creative talents. Uh, if you have any kind of you know, weird hobby or something that you like to do in your spare time, maybe there's a way that you can kind of weave it into your business. You know, maybe if you are making um, craft beer in your spare time, maybe you can turn it into a business gift for your clients. Like you can use actually your business logo on the... Yeah on the labels and kind of give it for, you know, holiday gifts or maybe some birthdays or anniversaries or just because I have a client of mine who did that recently. It wasn't beer. It was, um, it was schnapps, but at, essentially it's like, Hey, this is what I did when I was on my vacation. And now I'm going to share that with you because, uh, you know, I really love this work that I do and I want to share with everyone. This I know. So, you yeah. know, maybe 
Sorry, go, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I mean, for some people it may be music, for some people it may be photography, but whatever it is, uh, you know, just uh, find a way to kind of weave it in to let people know that this is what you do. Like, maybe you're a yoga person, maybe you're a CrossFit person, but, you know, there's something that you can use kind of to show to people who you are in your spare time because it, that's also something that can matter to people. You know, maybe you're a sci-fi fan or maybe you write uh, stories or something like that. And that's always interesting when we learn something about a person uh, that is not strictly about business, but that we resonate with so much. Like, oh, you love this too. Oh, you love this TV show or you love this this music performer or someone. I think it's really cool when, when we kind of connect on this more personal level. I think it's a fantastic advice, Nella, to be honest. I think this is just such a strong way to differentiate yourself. And especially like when you said, take something weird and it's something that you do, or maybe you enjoy doing and put it out. That just creates, not only does show you great, you're that person, but it also, you know, just connects you with with the with the, with the right audience connects you with with clients and shows the part of your the other part of your personality and this is something that i've heard multiple times from gary varnerchuk when he talks about if you are a lawyer for example you don't have to necessarily create content about the law or any any of that you could create content about golf and then you can talk on instagram how do you like golfing and then that way you could build your brand which is completely unrelated but then the other side of what i like about the weird habits that you mentioned is that you like you build a brand or you build a brand character that is polarizing that is some people will like and some won't and that's really good because when you have a polarizing brand that's perfect because nobody likes people who are like they're, everybody likes them. And this is actually one of my next next questions. But I find when, when somebody disagrees with what you're doing or they find that you're a little too geeky or maybe they're, you're a little bit too much into, into schnapps, that's good. But then you'll, you will attract a stronger following of people who enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that finding this uh... A story or a point of view that you can really make a difference on so it's something that it's maybe on in your market maybe you know maybe you're the only person in your among your colleagues who is willing to speak out about a certain thing or maybe you're the only person who is also you know a game uh, a board game nerd or that's that's the sort of thing that kind of separates you off from from all the other people and frankly sometimes yeah sometimes people respond negatively sometimes people write you uh, emails saying yeah i really didn't enjoy this post because i don't think it it's, it relates to what you should be writing I, I was expecting professional advice and you're writing about something else i'm not happy about it but you know mm -hmm. but on the other hand you receive dozens of messages who are actually enthusiastic about what you're sharing, who love it, who connect with you, who remain loyal readers. So honestly, when you put it all on the scale and you see, you know, this is how many kind of negative responses I got, but this is how many positive responses I got, I think I'll be fine. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's going to work out very well. Well, it's all that matters, right? Yeah, because you can't, I mean, what, no matter what you do, you're always going to disappoint someone. You're always going to offend someone because it's just not possible to be everything 
to everyone. It, it's you're going to exhaust yourself and you're still not going to achieve that. So it's better to just relax, be yourself, you know, spend your energy in a more efficient and a smart manner on, you know, spending on, on things that are truly important to you, like creating really great work. And then you can kind of like let your hair down, hair down and just be yourself when you're communicating with people. And if they're meant to be, and it's going to work out great. And if they're not, they're just going to find someone else because there's so many people in the world. Like you are going to connect with those who are, you are meant to work with you. I know people usually worry uh, in the beginning, but when you experience that, when you experience this real connection with clients who are amazing and who respect you and who you love to chat with, you know, just gen you just call them up and ask them how they are, not with with no agenda. That's transforming. You know, then you start to look for those people actively. Right. Yeah. Totally. And, and you don't, and you don't want to settle for anything less. Like when you, once you experience, experience that you don't want to work with people who are like lukewarm about your work and who you have to hmm. kind of put a tie on with and, and talk, you know, kind of in a more standoffish manner, you know, be really right. cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I think like, so to, to your point, when people are afraid to maybe disappoint some others, there's always this scarcity mentality that most people have where. I, there's not enough clients or there's not enough money or there's not enough business and that scarcity mentality of the world it really hurts people and if if you have an abundance mentality when you know that there's plenty of business there's plenty of opportunities there's plenty of ways to make money or to invest in your brand that just changes your perspective you're much more likely to take more risks and the other thing that I've heard a couple of years ago, that this was a quote that really stuck with me, that specifically on that, where somebody said, if you, if everybody likes what you're doing, you're doing something wrong. And that's yeah, me. I know that's that quote. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it just made so much sense because like, I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I was just starting out to learn that, that psychology and self-development side. And I'm like, well, and then I've learned more about it. Okay. So that means that you add you when you're doing something and you will absolutely always some like make some people unhappy yeah uh you're not pushing yourself far enough you're not testing your own boundaries you're not kind of learning you're not doing anything brave if you're just if everyone is happy if everyone is right. content because people are not impressed by work that is fine they're impressed by work that is extraordinary. And if you want to create something that's extraordinary, then naturally not everyone is going to like it. I mean, it's just people's tastes differ and you can't, you can't cater to everyone. Absolutely. Like we could, yeah, we could discuss music or literature or films and we're going to differ on some some of these questions you know i don't like superhero movies you know i just don't i i don't watch them they're boring to me but i'm i don't mind if other people love them but i'm just not not going to pay for that so on you know but i love some other movies that maybe other people find weird and and don't want to watch so and i think that's okay and it's the same with work it's the same with our own creative work there's no difference like we are allowed to make things that some people don't like and on this point, you wrote something in, I think it was in your blog, uh, this is a quote, being more open means that people who strongly disagree with you won't like you. And in my opinion, that's wonderful. 
Now, I personally experienced it as well after being more open um, with my with what I do in public. How do you actually teach your clients to execute it in your brand and marketing strategy? Now, you did mention uh, doing something weird, maybe add in some of your interests. Is there anything else that maybe they can do to to bring that more to to uh, to life? Uh, usually, when I talk to clients, I I do this, you know, through interviews and questionnaires, and I try to get to know their story, like their point of view. And uh, they usually, maybe they don't even know what their point of view is starting out. Maybe they have never articulated it. Maybe they've never tell, told it to anyone. Sometimes it happens with my clients. You know, I'm the first person that they even dare to say something, uh, something that they're thinking about for a long time, but they haven't written it anywhere. They haven't told it to anyone. And then I kind of encourage them that we actually write that down, that we actually put it on their website, that we put it on their social media profiles, that, that other people can see that and form their form kind of their impression about the business based on this unique point of view that they have. Uh, you know, sometimes businesses, I mean, people who own businesses, not, not business, they experience some things that make them want to decide we won't do the, we won't do this again. We won't work in this way. We won't work with that kind of person. We won't work with that kind of a business anymore. And then I, we kind of talk about how we can encourage more interaction that they want to do. Like maybe you don't want to put your phone number on the website, but maybe you want to encourage like social media or chat. Maybe you want to specify who you work with best so that people who are not the perfect fit just realize, okay, this is uh, this is obviously not the right place for me because they haven't mentioned my mm. niche or my type of business. So we kind of put it on paper and, and draw this line in the sand that says, this is what we do and this is what we stand for. And if this, and it, the, the what remains unsaid is if you don't like this, maybe you should look for someone else. I mean, you never say that explicitly. It's not something that you just, you don't want to lead with that. You don't want to be like, oh, go find some hmm. other yeah. company to do this for you. But people kind of get that on a subconscious level. They realize like, hmm, yeah, I don't think we get along. Right. Probably, you know, move on to the next search result or, or yeah. so on. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Now, I want to ask you on a slightly different topic because you write on different ones and this I thought was particularly interesting. You talk about stable professional relationship and then you have a relationship graph that you talk that you, you have on your blog. Tell me a little bit more about that because I think relationships are so important in business, in your personal life. And most of the time when you get clients, you win clients, you get friends, relationship are something that will he's here to stay it doesn't really matter what kind of tools we use so tell me about how does the graph work what is it and then how did you come up with that yeah yeah well that was um that was a mo moment of inspiration that i'm not even i'm not entirely sure what what actually what happened but i think that was when i was talking with one of my clients who is a civil engineer? So he's so I, I work with a lot of engineers. It's um, I don't know we I guess from different social circles and so on. So I get to work with people who are also very like tech minded and uh, they understand the way that I think. Uh, and sometimes I have this uh, I have this sort of quirk that I like to draw things that are, that are in red, like so that other people can kind of understand 
what I'm talking about. When I teach stuff, I usually have a lot of charts and graphs and stuff that kind of help people understand what I'm talking about. So it's not so abstract. And basically, uh, the graph that, are, that you mentioned is based on my engineering studies. Uh, there was a class uh, on automation where we learned about system stability. And that's basically, you know, when you use there are certain parameters and then you can calculate based on a formula whether a system is uh, stable or not. And if it's stable, then it means it's going to work. And if it's unstable, then it's just not going to work. You're not going to achieve some uh, sort of function that you want the system to do. Uh, and anyway, um, when I was mm -hmm. thinking about working with this client, and nowadays he just tells me what he needs, uh, there's no direction at all, and I just do it, and he loves it, and there's no need to revise anything. But in the beginning, we were just starting to work, you know, we had to kind of get on the same page. Uh, we had to like communicate a lot more, a lot more frequently. Uh, there were some revisions involved. So it took a time to get to this point where now we're like reading each other's minds and there's no surprises and everything is great. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I thought of this idea to explain this process using these engineering terms. And the graph basically goes, you know, in the beginning there are a lot of uh, fluctuations, like it goes up and down and up and down. And then as time goes on, then it starts like, uh, becoming a smooth line uh, and that's when this line becomes smooth that's when the relationship is stable so that's basically the analogy of this stable right. relationship and uh, these fluctuations there I call them surprises so there's it could be a positive surprise or it could be a negative surprise but if, uh, you don't want too many surprises like if you surprise your people your clients all the time positively that means you're selling yourself short because they were not aware how awesome you are when they hired you. But if you surprise your clients negatively, or that would be you know, disappointing them, then again, you're doing something wrong. You're either not good at your job or you're not good at setting the expectations or, and communicating with your clients. But the problem is that sometimes relationships, they don't become stable. They never, <laughs> some relationships are basically doomed to not become stable, maybe you're just not the right fit, you know, maybe you have communication issues, maybe this could be resolved with a lot of effort, and it's, um, the question is if this effort is worth it, or if it's just better to move on your ways and, and you know, find uh, people who are a better fit. And in that case, the graph just never becomes a, a straight line, it just goes on and on in mm. forever, and it's very high, you know, ups and downs, and that's very frustrating because you never achieve this kind of feeling that you know what you expect from your client and that your client never gets the feeling that they know what they can expect from you. And uh, that's really not a recipe for a successful relationship. <laughs> yeah, you want clients to be able to count on you. Right. They know what you can do, they know what you're able to do, and they're they're happy to let you do your thing, and they don't ma micromanage you, they don't call you all every day to ask what, what's going on, they trust you that you're going to deliver on your promise. That's what happens when you get to this very stable, but you have to set, your, set yourself up for success, you have to explain things, maybe even in more detail than you think you need to, because you really have to let them be able to uh, form expectations that are accurate, that are going to result in uh, positive surprises and or 
fewer surprises overall and and no negative ones right and then that will that will that that that's that makes a lot of sense i really like how you visually explain it when when looking at the graph and i think that goes back to uh, finding the right clients qualifying them explaining the process and then going back to the values that the way you work with and just finding the clients that are a fit and I'm sure you have stories of clients that were maybe not quite what you wanted and you didn't quite know it at, at, at the very beginning, right? Oh, I do. I do. I mean, there is a story on my blog post where I went over, I didn't share any details about their identity, but there were some experiences that were not so fun. And that's why I'm, um, I have all this experience, you know, that's why I know how to explain this to people because I did all the right thing. Uh, I did all the wrong things. You know, right. I made all the mistakes myself. I'm not just ta talking about this from some high horse. I actually, you know, fell off a horse a couple of times before I was able to learn the, those lessons. So, yeah. Totally, totally. Tell me, um, Nella, the next question I had was, because I, I like books and I do like to talk about books on this podcast to give readers some extra value that they can, they can find on, um, find more. What was the most impactful book that you read, or read on branding or on design? Uh, I actually have two favorites that I would like to recommend. So one is, uh, it's not presented, it's not marketed as a book on branding, but honestly, that's the best book I've read for small service-based businesses. It's called Book Yourself Solid by Michael Port. And I've only started reading it when I was already working on my own book and it was surreal. Like every page I was like nodding my head saying, wow, I'm saying the same things. I'm writing the same things. This dude, he's talking about the same stuff that I know that I feel like is accurate. And it, and I felt so bad for not reading it sooner because I think it would be, he would save me a lot of trouble if I only knew, you know, early on that this is the way there's the concept of the red velvet rope, which mm -hmm. is essentially this differentiating quirk, this factor that helps you kind of keep people out who are not the right fit for your business. And he's very, very strongly opinionated about that. So he's like, no, you have to be very, very strict about who you work with because those other people, they're just going to drag you down and, and take up all your energy and you won't have uh, the best of you to give to your best clients. Mm -hmm. And the, the other book that I love, it's Decoding Design by Maggie McNabb. So it's a book about logo design, but a, not about the, I would say, the, the nerdy technical stuff, but more about the symbolism. It's very, it explains symbolism of numbers and how this is uh, visualized using, you know, the line, the circle, the square, the triangle, and other different shapes. And it has a lot of case studies of logos which were de designed based on those principles. And I think it's a very great book for anyone who's interested in this overlap between psychology and symbolism uh, and design, like uh, presenting it with visual images. Uh, cool. I love the book and <laughs> it looks very, it's, mm. it's very nicely designed and it has a really cool cover. So it's, it's, I love that. I'm adding both to my list. That's fascinating. Like, I definitely want to learn more about that. And especially Book Yourself Solid will be extremely relevant because I am in a services business myself. So that's going to be mm -hmm. very, very cool. Now, there's something else that you mentioned on your blog. Again. Uh, you talked about why is it important to ignore other people's career advice? Like, what, what's, the, what's the reason to, to 
actually, you know, when people are saying, telling you, this is what you should be doing, or this is what you should, what you should not be doing. And I think this could be relevant, not only for people who are not sure what, where they are in their career, but also people who are working on the business or maybe trying to find their area of focus. How, why, why would that be important to maybe not to take all the advice? Uh, yeah, well, first of all, if you listen to everyone's advice, then you're not going to get anywhere because uh, different people will give you different advice based on what they think uh, the world should be like and what people should be doing. And no matter how much other people think that they know you, they don't really know you as well as you know yourself. You know, you might be excellent at your job and everyone around you think you're doing great, but if you go to work with this heavy stomach and you hate every minute spent there, you know, you may be good, but you're bored or dissatisfied and nobody around you can understand why, because it sounds like such a great job. And really it's not up to them to understand. They haven't walked a mile in your shoes. They don't know how you truly feel inside when you're doing something and it's your call. You know, giving so much power to other people is very risky. I know many folks who are now disappointed with careers that their parents have chosen for them, that their parents wanted them to pursue, and they regret now that they haven't, took, uh, haven't taken a different path. Ideally, people in your life will support you in your decisions and your choices. But if there's any time when you need to choose between listening to yourself and listening to others, I would always recommend to listen to yourself because you will live with your decisions. You will live with the consequences of those decisions for decades. So at least you'll know that you did the best that you knew what to do. Then if you listen to someone else and then you blame them for the rest of your life and that's not helping anyone. This is a fantastic, fantastic insight. Nobody knows you as well as you know yourself. That is absolutely, I find it to be absolutely true. And this is, this is brilliant. Now, before I ask my last question, where's everybody can find you online? Oh, oh, well, my, there's my website and blog at neladonato.com. And on that website, you can find uh, all my other avenues. So there's uh, social media accounts. There's my book page. Uh, so whatever interests you, you can just browse around and you'll find uh, something, whether you're interested in art or in design or in uh, reading blog posts or reading the book. It's all on that one one hub. So I would appreciate if people would get in touch. If they have any questions, I would be happy to chat. So and please go check it out because Nella's got some fantastic content, really, really valuable. You will not waste your time. It is absolutely worth it. Nella, my last question, what impact would you like to have on the world? Wow, that's a deep question. Uh, I would be very, very happy if my work helped more people to find the courage uh, to express themselves for as they are, to just be who they are, to do their best work, to show up fully and authentically and clearly and bravely, uh, because the world needs more people who are brave and creative and who are not afraid to show who they really are and who those kind of people are creating the change in the world. So really, all I want to do is to encourage other people to to be like that, to do that. No, it was a pleasure. It was a fantastic interview. Thank you so much for joining and sharing your thoughts, your life experiences, and your wisdom to our listeners. 
Thank you, Sergey. It's been my very big pleasure, and I love the conversation, and I hope your listeners are going to enjoy it as much as I did. 